Hey, welcome to the Thodcast, conversations about animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke, podcasting from northern Minnesota, and today I'm joined by Alex D. How are you doing, Alex? I'm I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Coming in from the state Georgia. of Georgia. Yeah, thank you for joining the podcast for this little brief uh, conversation about some um, <laughs> references, nostalgia, a, a whole cornucopia of uh, animation varieties, I guess, and, uh, <laughs> and characters and, and all sorts of pop culture ephemera. Yeah, uh, today we're talking Chippendale Rescue Rangers from Disney Plus, new live action animation hybrid film. Uh, directed by uh, Akiva Schaefer, I believe. Yep. And director of Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. We've got voice talents, uh, Andy Samberg and John Mulaney as Dale and Chip, respectively. Andy Samberg was the, you know, he's the kind of the Lonely Island uh, front man and, uh, you know, stable on Saturday Night Live and, um brooklyn 99 john mulaney famous comedian um so yeah a lot, lot of uh talent behind this uh but we'll get into it what do you think of chip and dale rescue rangers alex i i liked it i thought it was like fun i thought it was i thought it was something that was like entertaining enough for children, but then for um, my age group or, or, you know, like the people born in the nineties with children right now could still enjoy, enjoy it. I don't have, I don't have kids, so I don't know what kids think about it, but I, I thought it was like quirky. I thought it was like fun and cute. And there were parts of it that I really, there was not really anything that I didn't enjoy. Did you say, Okay, did you say Andy Samberg was one of the yeah. Okay, I I could place John Mulaney. Um I did not do any background research before um going into the show besides um like this one TikTok that I saw about something we can talk about later. But um I placed John Mulaney's voice almost instantly, but I was like this other voice. There was a lot of familiar voices in this movie, which I'm sure you are going to tell us all about. Um, <laughs> but I, I couldn't place who the other chipmunk was, but it was, it was Andy, it was Andy Samberg. Yeah. Um, Andy Samberg as uh, Dale. Uh, okay. John so, so the uh, movie begins with narration from Chip, John Mulaney. Um, and then Andy, Andy Samberg's the more kind of uh, industry, savvy of the two uh, he's he's the one who tries to sustain his career longer he undergoes the cgi surgery as they call it a lot of bizarre concepts to explore you know no need for research really because you know, we just don't have enough time to go too in depth but yeah we can talk a lot about the just the sheer amount of information thrown at us well, what did you think did you <laughs> like screen. it I, I mean, I enjoyed it to an extent. There's some ways in which I thought it kind of just felt like noise. Um, but I see that it was it was if you're watching it as an adult, it was very much like I could see how it would be lacking in some parts. But I also think those like filler parts were like appealing to the children watching. Mm -hmm. 
to keep that wheel turning for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I see that. I definitely, yeah. Um, it was weird though. It was weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's just a lot of offbeat humor, very irreverent, subversive, uh, you kind of, I, I got the sense, you know, there could be an interesting R-rated version of this film. Just with I wish it was. <laughs> I wish I for so much of it. I really thought I was like, this is made for me. I really thought so much of that was like targeting me, like something that I would understand, something that I would like as a 26 year old. What am I a millennial, millennial? I don't know. But Gener yeah, Generation Y, millennial. Um, I probably, you know, if, if you're similar to my age, which I believe you are, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, so 95, so yeah, 92, yeah, uh, dox myself here, but <laughs> no, um, cut it out, cut it out. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> let's see, I, I don't, I didn't catch any of these old Disney, um, like Saturday morning shows when I was younger, though, like, oh, I, I don't really have any nostalgia for these specifically. I felt like there was like a lot of things that like really like it didn't I didn't honestly get too much of a I'm not gonna say I didn't get nostalgia from it because some things I did most of it felt like poking fun at certain things like it felt like things that were like oh these like grown-ups are gonna recognize this and we're making it more relatable to every like every day like what we see on social media and stuff like that like take for example whoever andy samberg was which one was he yeah dale chip dale da dale. dale okay now i remember chip chip has the so, black nose like chocolate chip <laughs> yeah and double o dale was the spin-off yeah excuse me um Okay, so when he was like going live on like their version, I'm, I'm assuming of like Instagram or something, I was like, that's funny. Or then like when Baloo came out all CGI, that's funny to me. But the kids aren't going to think that's funny because how many kids have seen the original Jungle Book, you know? Well, and, and it's a good thing they had. There was a remake. There was a remake. So I understand that came from that as well there's a lot of uh, genuine comedy talent behind this. Uh, so, you know, there, there's definitely genuine jokes. Um, it's not all just ugly. Sonic, based. the best part of the movie, <laughs> best yeah. part of the movie, ugly Sonic. That was, they broke the yeah. fourth wall so much in this film. I feel like it was, it was great to me. I like laughed the whole, like I was just, I wasn't even like laughing. Cause I was like, haha, this is funny. I was like laughing because I was like, haha, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, many, many layers of irony. I hope kids have seen The Jungle Book, like the classic animated film. I mean, kids should be hopefully, Maybe. yeah, consuming these classic, at least the Disney animated canon. They're not, um, though. They're not watching. I'm going to tell you right now, as a princess performer, yeah. very, very rarely do I even find someone who has seen like, Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty or Snow White they they're not watching that anymore like the new like you know three and four year olds are not being introduced to that anymore not as not not in my experience from the people that I meet but it's obviously completely different for everyone yeah those are the legacy princesses from 
films that are now over 50 years old um and but still quality entertaining films uh especially you know for from an artistic and cultural standpoint yeah it's um interesting to see how animation has evolved with this being sort of a successor to a similar animation mashup in the form of uh, who framed roger rabbit uh, mm -hmm. film who from was, who was included in this yeah yeah that was 1988 I thought the was nice kind of being like the introduction of like cgi like this is what we're moving towards but also we won't like discount or discredit like original animation style i felt like that's kind of how the film was going towards being like recognizing that cgi or that style of animation is taking over i guess for lack of better words I, that's what's mm -hmm. more popular nowadays well yeah yeah the, so this... i thought that was funny i just thought i was like this is like I, what i felt like the movie was about just like it was poking fun at the industry kind of <laughs> the whole time definitely a, a major commentary on the film industry as a whole set in la uh, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was also set in L.A., uh, but there's a dedicated uh, Toontown, sort of like a <laughs> almost a segregationist view of Toons versus live action residents. And, and I guess that film is sort of a commentary on the politics of Los Angeles, zone, you know, the zoning politics, shall we say. And then this one has commentary on uh, the very cutthroat nature of Hollywood and stardom. And, and that was sort of a, a, an uncomfortable sort of disconcerting vibe I got throughout the entire film. I mean, you're not supposed to think too deeply about the rules of this world, uh, clearly. <laughs> um, you know, it, but it's just weird to think like these animated characters do live alongside, you know, real humans um you know how do they come into existence how, how how do they age what is their you know biology um best not to think too deeply about these things although the movie does go into it a little bit but um the just the fact that like an, in an animated series it's not you know that these characters are being drawn like they are in real life it's these are actors you know being filmed <laughs> just like if you're making a live action series sort of like that opening sequence in who framed roger rabbit uh but but that also means like there's a whole world of just one hit wonder characters who who have very few you know it's like they were maybe in one show one movie and maybe some sequels and then that's it and like how else do they uh uh convey their stardom it's an interesting question. That's going on to what I was my my one big profound thought that wasn't even my own thought, but something that made me think um, was the whole Peter Pan thing about the whole movie, mm -hmm. which I'm sure you I'm sure you've read about. Sure. Yeah. The, yeah, the actor who played like Peter the Pan. One thing that I was like. Uh, this like this is the one thing I read about the movie before watching it or had seen about the movie, which was um, this was controversial, including mm -hmm. him and that the way that they had done it was to some critics like not OK. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I don't 
have a horse in that race for that one. But I was like, wow, this is crazy. Cause I didn't know the story of the, uh, after of Peter Pan, I did not know, um, about him and how it kind of, he kind of got the short end of the stick of things. And, and then they, they poked fun at that in the movie they did. Mm -hmm. And so that was like my one pre- that was like my pre idea go- going into watching the movie. I didn't know anything else besides this one thing. Okay. I, and I had actually forgotten about it by the time I sat down to watch the movie. But then when I started watching it and Peter Pan came into the movie, what was he called? Sweet Pete. Sweet Pete, that's right. So when he finally came into the movie, I was like, oh, yeah, like I remember like a seeing about this. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, like this is going to be talked about. <laughs> Yeah. So that's my only thing. <laughs> that's yeah. my only, I don't have an issue with it. Like, I know there's both ends of an opinion on that one. Um, but that was the only pre idea that I had going into watching the movie. So, well, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of my uh, impetus for suggesting like. The, uh, an R-rated version of this movie would yeah. be interesting. It has nothing to do with like wanting to see more crass content, but just some of these, these themes. These are some pretty intense themes that they're putting out there. And, and it's just people always complain, complain about corporate meddling. It's s- sort of surprising that Disney allowed something like that. That's you know? <laughs> what I was going to say. I was going to say, like, I'm actually pretty surprised after watching it that they would allow things to this extent that happened in the movie, especially things that weren't even Disney related, you know, like going into the uncanny Valley uh, part of town. It was, you know, they mentioned Polar Express, which uh, that wasn't Disney, was it? Um, Was it? I I don't think that first Polar Express was, released by disney i, I don't I have think to it was check either. that i feel like they made a lot of direct references to things that weren't even related i mean yeah. okay uh, take ugly sonic for example that's that wasn't disney but well, they yeah it was included and, and just things like that where they they are making fun of themselves and almost like recognizing their past faults hmm. i don't want to say faults but you you know what i'm well, trying to and I, it's it, yeah. funny it's just like how like i'm surprised like it almost this almost seemed like something that you would have watched like 10 years ago on youtube that was satirical about the movie industry you know what i mean mm-hmm. that's how it, this is how i viewed it i was like this is so funny because it's it's so satirical it's so goofy it's so poking fun at ourselves kind of thing and like i'm surprised this was actually real it seems like a parody it's a parody it's a parody that's yeah, yeah that's exactly what it is to me maybe not well it, yeah it's it's sort of the level of humor you get from a, a college humor parody or exactly um you know funny or die sketch um you know something like saturday night live which a lot of which people they- worked here yeah. Well, even John Mulaney was on that. Yeah. Once his that his episode was good, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been on SNL 
Uh, wasn't he a cast member at one point? Maybe not. I don't know if he was, but he's hosted favorite, it a few times. My yeah, my favorite skit is is with him in it. Um, my favorite SNL skit of all time is with him, and so I know that he was on there because of that. Yeah. But it's, I don't, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's funny. It's just to me, like I watched it and I was like, "This is so cute. This is so funny." Yeah, but well, maybe like it wasn't. It was a lot of dr- not dry humor, but almost dry humor. Um, like- <laughs> oh, yeah. Irreverent. Um, well, they, they're really trying to carefully calibrate it so it doesn't seem too hacky or um, too um, just pre-approved, you know, focus tested, you know, corporate meddling nonsense. You know, they, they want it to seem, um, you know, as authentic to the sensibilities of these comedians as possible. And it still needs to appeal to children. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the joke about, you know, Gadget and the fly getting together. I mean, <laughs> just wild, just grotesque in some ways. I loved it, like... though. Oh, speaking of, who voiced her? Um, Tress McNeil, the original voice actress of what else Magic. was she in? I could not pinpoint. She, I guess I could look it up myself, but like that voice was so familiar and I could not place it. Um, she's a very prolific voice actress. She does a lot of performance in animated uh, shows and features. Um, one of her m- most famous roles is Dot, Dot Warner from Animaniacs. Um, she, she plays... Um, Oh, just I mean, she's got hundreds of credits, you know, bit parts from all kinds of. I know, I like yeah. her. Her voice was so familiar. Okay, trust Daisy me. Duck. Yeah, you maybe have heard her as Daisy Duck in some things. Um, oh my uh, gosh, it like was really bothering me the whole time I was watching it. I was like really trying to see. Oh. She, she does the high-pitched version of one of the chipmunks. Uh, I, I know where now. High-pitched chip, yeah. I know where. She was in... Okay, I know. She was in Futurama. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, do I recognize... Which was good. What happened to that? Linda Mom. Yeah, I, I don't recognize any of these characters from Futurama she plays. I, I haven't she seen all She was in Kiki delivery service too how about that sure okay so her voice was so familiar to me and i was like philip's gonna know (laughs) philip's gonna know what she was in yeah she's been in a lot of stuff yeah Um, i actually i liked that ship with the it was weird (laughs) i didn't it was weird but when it when it came i mean i'm assuming we can talk spoilers on the podcast when it came out at the end with like the combined fly and gadget babies flying out. I thought that was so funny. I was like, that's hilarious. Like, I don't know. But you could tell that that was going to be something that had progressed from one of the very first clips when they're like in the club or whatever. And she's she says something, you know, I don't even remember what the scene was, but they're all, it was after something about rescue rangers and they're all in the club together. Hmm. And she gadget says something to the fly. 
And I was oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That while they're just flirting together. Yeah, yeah. And then it, I was like, that's going to come back later on. And she doesn't appear for the entire movie until yeah. the very end. Yeah. I knew she was going to come back. I like this movie. I think the way it was set up, like everything yeah. was very well calculated to me, I feel like. Oh, yeah. There's, there's some genuine thought put into it. Um, you know, whether the execution really paid off all that it set out to do is up for debate. I feel I, I, you know, it seems like there's a bit of a reason why this was a direct to streaming film rather than a theatrical feature. Yeah, just it didn't necessarily seem like it was up to the quality of what I would want from a theatrical film of this type, you know, like a, a true successor to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, a lot of that is due to like some technical gripes. Like I feel um, uh, Chip is the chipmunk, John Mulaney's character, who remains uh, two dimensional throughout the entire film. Uh, and but you can tell that it's a uh, cell shaded two dimensional or three D 3D model cell shaded to look 2D wrapped around a, a wire frame. Um, rather than a hand, a true hand-drawn character. Uh, and, and that's like a common complaint that people have had about this film. Like it's not a, you know, this character doesn't look like a true 1980s cartoon character based on the way it's drawn. Um, but to save costs, of course, they're rendering it, yeah, in a, in a more modern way. <laughs> Oof, I've had bad luck with the internet lately. I don't know what the deal is. I think my remote uh, boondock internet might be regressing in quality, or at least relative to the rest of the world. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, we were talking about the animation, and I don't know, I was griping about um, how Chip is you know, done in this sort of 3D pseudo 2d cell shaded style um and it's kind of distracting considering he's one of the main characters uh, you know perhaps the main character because he does the narration in the beginning and so forth and it's like if if this were the original who framed roger rabbit it, it would all be hand drawn it would have a much more analog uh, almost like a, a jittery but also like organic feel that the would be more appropriate to the era and like the original style of the Chippendale Rescue Rangers TV series. That's correct. Yeah. They, they, they wanted it to be the, the differentiation between one of them being more modern and one of them being the original style. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, the original style was still modernized to today. Um, well, and it's so hard to do that, though, the hand-drawn yeah, animation. I, I think right. even the talent pool for that has greatly diminished since 1988. Everything's everything's digitalized now. or dig Yeah, digi digitized? Not digitalized. That's not real. Digitized. <laughs> um, everything is, is like that now, so I totally understand. Um, but I it, that was not even anything I considered just... Yeah. like while while watching i i understood the 
okay, one of them stayed the same and one of them progressed to modern day, but they're both modern day art styles as of now. I think that's kind of a minor thing uh, in the grand scheme of the overall film. I I also think, I don't know, the, the movie just is kind of tonally all over the place. It's sort of a typical whodunit um that that these kinds of movies will often default to um like who framed roger rabbit or the happy time murders for example is like a a muppet parody from a few years ago with melissa mccarthy i don't know if you remember that i feel like the plot was sped through for this movie i feel like the movie was good in length and i liked the movie but i feel like the actual meat of the plot was like very much sped through like I did enjoy the movie and I like that they gave more showtime to the things that I wanted to see which was the goofiness of other characters and the different styles and the um bootlegged things but I feel like the actual part of the plot which was who got taken and why and go get them that that part was you could put the entire part of the plot and it would be like a 10 minute video. Yeah. Yeah. Monty yeah. gets taken. He gets bootlegged. They find the bootlegger. Uh-huh. They, they, they come in and save the day. Like that was yeah. all that happened. There was so much in between that I enjoyed more than the actual plot. I feel like they could have just done like a silly little. Well, yeah. The... I, I like the movie. It was fine, but they really did speed through the plot points to me to me that's what i think <laughs> yeah you i don't know i i would want kind of more explanation as to how this world works um it just seems bizarre how i guess is shrek is like dream? a real person in this world yes it is a fever dream it i don't know that watching this movie i mean there were moments that made me laugh out loud i really loved like the the uncanny valley and it's a it's a fun play on the san fernando valley of los angeles uh it's you know it's sort of uh a wasteland of uh just endless sprawl uh and and it is uncanny in many ways you know that region of los angeles uh not, and it's not bad i mean i i enjoy you know it's a it's a fun place i used to live in la um, but also just like the, the sort of freakish nature of Los Angeles in general and how huge it is and, and like Hollywood and the, I don't know, hellish nature <laughs> of showbiz at times, you know, if you're trying to break in and just the soul crushing nature of how it often goes for people, Especially because, like, people, I think, go into it for with the wrong motives and wrong intentions. So there's a lot of politicking and um, disingenuousness and, and just greed, avarice. All, the, all people's worst tendencies tend to get thrust into this thing, uh, you know, we refer to as the entertainment industry. And, and with uh, with these, uh, yeah, like the, the prospect of like bootlegging and, and falling out of favor with, you know, your audience, you know, it's there's a lot of, you know, the, the story of Bobby Driscoll, uh, a, you know, a textbook, you know, case study of, of how things can go wrong within the entertainment industry. 
Um, you know, you see why someone like Dale would go off and become a, an insurance or, or not Dale chip chip becomes the insurance salesman. Uh, he doesn't for, want anything to do with yeah. that lifestyle anymore. He was like, yeah. done with it. well, before they go yeah. to the uncanny Valley, it is, they go to, gosh, I don't even remember what they called it, but it was pretty much like the street of one hit wonders, so to speak of animation, I guess. Um, Okay. And that's when they yeah. meet. That's before they go to Uncanny Valley, where well, they meet the little Muppet guy about the cheese. And, okay. And there he's like, oh. "Don't talk to anybody." And he's like, "Well, it looks nice here, but like that's just—it's not." It was also a shady place. Like it just yeah. layers to this being just like the showbiz is shady. Yeah, the parody of Disneyland's Main Street. Exactly. Um, yes. Yes. Main Street. Yes. Why couldn't I? I was like, well, yes, they, yeah. And they meet, uh, that's what they called it. They called it main street. A parody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You can't really copyright main street. Um, and then you meet, uh, yeah. The parody of the Swedish chef from the Muppets. Cheese man. Yeah. um, And he said, you got stinky cheese. And he says, are you guys cops? That's so funny. That was hilarious to me. Yeah, his entire demeanor just shifts when he you loses know. the accent. And everything yeah. <laughs> like, you guys cop. That was funny. Yeah, that that genuinely. Yeah, a lot of lot of great bits. You know, and and the just the dead stare of the uh, uncanny valley. You know, reminiscent of um, I guess uh, Seth Rogen's character here is very reminiscent of the film Beowulf directed by Robert Zemeckis. It was his follow-up to the Polar Express. Um, yeah, neither Polar Express nor Beowulf were distributed by Disney. I think they might have both been Warner Brothers. But then Zemeckis, who was pioneering that motion capture style uh, of animation, did partner with Disney and they released the Christmas Carol movie with Jim Carrey and Mars needs Mar- moms that the company that does that, that style of animation. And yeah, it's, it's pretty uncanny. Um, I, I just well, making fun of that was hilarious. I never thought about either until it was like, this is the uncanny, uncanny Valley where, you know, their eyes there, it was, they, you know, they explain it perfectly where it's like, <laughs> They thought it was going to look real, but it really never did. And it just made you uncomfortable. And I was like, that's exactly right. That's exactly how it was. Like, I love Polar Express. It was freaky for its time. And every (laughs) style that followed, like that, that was in that genre, it was freaky. Yeah. And And the cats, have you seen cats? No, I want to, but everybody says it's so bad, but I want to see it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? No, but yeah, they did have the cats from Cats. Every major studio is represented in this film, which what? is interesting. That yeah, they. I got... thought how how is that allowed? Yeah, I... <laughs> that's a good I question. Law, I guess I don't know. I don't. I think they had to get express permission for a lot of the stuff. At um, least Sonic, they had to have had. Yeah, from Paramount. When well, they zoom in on his teeth. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I remember. I remember when that trailer for that movie came out. Sean's a big Sonic fan. So I remember when that trailer came out and we were both just like, 
what the heck? And then people got mad and bullied them into making it better. And I've, I've still never seen it. I think Sean had ended up watching it. There's a second one now, I think. I don't know. Yeah, but, there's there are two Sean, a Sonic movie. I'm, yeah. He looks, yeah, he looks like Sonic, thankfully. They and- fixed it, but <laughs> then it's so funny that he's like at the little convention. It's like, yeah, I'm ugly Sonic. And they his little human like teeth and they make a point to zoom in on it. Mm-hmm. It it creeped me out, which is exactly how I felt like they really knew what people did not like about things. And they were like, let's put it in. Let's do it. Let's laugh at it. And I like that. I think it's funny. Like mm-hmm. people have a sense of humor. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's, I think a lot of this movie's appeal is just left up to subjectivity and, you know, whether, whether people like kind of cringy humor, um, you know, if they, they like to be made to feel uncomfortable in certain ways, which is bizarre for a movie ostensibly based around a, children's cartoon from the late 80s uh, but uh it, it was it ended up just being kind of a vessel for a commentary on um sort of demented nature of showbiz and but also serves as a love letter to animation in, in many ways as well um you know the, some of these um characters you know are are forgotten and you know it's, it's, it is fun to look back and remember some of these things that um, just kind of get lost in the endless flood of content we have nowadays. Uh, and, and maybe part of this movie's wacky um, aesthetic is just to uh, comment on the way that probably a lot of kids nowadays would have no idea what Chip and Dale are. Um, it does even make a reference to, of course, like the exotic dance troupe Chippendales, which is funny <laughs> that, that that just brought up. I told my friend, um, when did I watch it? Yes, no, day before yesterday? I don't remember. Whenever I watched no. it and told you, I told my friend, I was like, yeah, I watched the new Chippendale movie. And they were like, the dancers? <laughs> and I was like, no, no, the chipmunks. Like, yeah. not the dancers. Yeah, it's so there's still that there is still that there um, that, you know, you are right. It is a love letter to the animation industry, mm-hmm. but also it, it also feels like someone someone has a really big bone to pick with showbiz. Someone, yeah. someone was in their feelings when they made this. You have Dale at the convention. He's got his own booth. So he's been in a few things besides, you know, the starring role in the Chip and Dale series. And and this movie also doesn't address the Chip and Dale short films from Disney animation from the classic era, of which there were more than 20. There were like 23 based on what? They're uh, still very popular also, yeah. like, today like if you go i so i went on my cruise my disney cruise before i went to the parks and chip and dale were on the cruise very very much popular on the cruise as uh characters to me and then when i went to disney i i ran into one of them don't remember which one don't ask me but ran into one of them it was just stoked and i like they're still very much recognized characters and i i feel like mm-hmm. that wasn't they they really focused on them being like we had a show and then we didn't like i feel like they focused on that 
when they could have still mentioned like well, our success continued, but like it yeah. really didn't because nobody really knows our name. I, I can't even differentiate the two except that I know Chip has the black nose and Dale has the red one. Okay, yeah, you can tell them apart technically uh, in their original forms. Um, and they debuted in 1943 in the short film Private yeah. Pluto. Uh, so, so this movie ignores that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things that are conveniently kind of glossed over um, for the sake of the plot of this film. Which... They are a good duo to pick, though to be like we've been overlooked or we've been set aside because you couldn't do that with you couldn't do that with anybody else but then it also they pick up on that in the in the in the movie as well where they have uh lumiere with his own booth which mm-hmm. lumiere was a great part of beauty and the beast but nobody really talks about lumiere and he's there and then you have yeah. baloo who was a giant part of um jungle book who Nobody really talks about Baloo, you know, like, mm-hmm. so that was a really good spot of, or, or, or duo of people to pick mm. if you were going to, because you couldn't pick Donald Duck or Goofy, you know, like from mm-hmm. this set of characters that I'm thinking of in my head, obviously, yeah. Dale, but these characters also, who are, who are actors in this world, some of them are getting regular work <laughs> still like uh mickey mouse and Don- the, yeah the main um but also like th- these characters are represented you know does does disneyland exist in this you know does it? world does it? See, i'm ready i just i wish see i wish there was no plot of this movie despite the fact that they <laughs> really just anytime they mention the plot they just zip through it i wish it was just a fan cam following them around and just poking fun at the industry the whole time i feel like i would have enjoyed that a lot more than there being but i understand it's like also a kids movie like there has to be some storyline to follow but also i kind of wish like we had gotten more of what are the other characters doing? Like, what are your thoughts? Like, who's all getting bootlegged? Like, send them through the machine. I'd love to see what happens. Yeah, but I, I think there are a, a lot of major differences between the world of Chippendale Rescue Rangers and our own. I don't know. Disney probably doesn't exist. There's reference to a, a company called Har, uh, a studio. I guess they're an entertainment company. H-A-R, um, and there's a streaming service, Har Plus. Uh, so that's one example of how things are different. Um, and then, yeah, you have all the references to these wacky titles like um, Mr. Doubtfire and Fast and Furious Babies. Um, it's a lot of great, just, you know, offbeat humor. Um, I see here, uh, you know, Baloo, of course, got his, the reconstruction surgery uh, as we see in this film and he doesn't really sound anything like you know the original voice which is just the most superior version of blue uh the voice of phil harris um such a deep resounding baritone that i i don't almost seems like no one can really reproduce nowadays 
Uh, Bill Murray certainly made no attempt to do so in the live action or, you know, um, photorealistic. I didn't even watch it. Yeah. I, think I, I haven't, I'm going to, I haven't seen any live action Disney movie except Beauty and the Beast. I'm going to be honest here. I think they cast John Goodman as Baloo for some of the more recent renditions of that character. And then he was, there was the okay. show Tailspin um, in the late 80s as well. I'm not sure did the voice. I'm, I don't think I'm going to bother looking it up. But I see here that Baloo in this movie was voiced by noted Christian music artist Stephen Curtis Chapman. So <laughs> that's kind of fascinating. <laughs> um huh i you know i wonder how he got that role how do they find these people yeah no idea but here let's uh let's see if yeah the disney i i think they there was like a an animation block on abc called like disney afternoon at at Uh one point yeah okay yeah so a a lot of different ways a lot in the movie yeah. Yeah, they they do make reference to the um ratings and um airing of that original series. Um, I never watched that, but it made me think of Mickey Mouse um House of Mouse, House of Mouse. That's yeah. that's kind of what I kept thinking while I was watching this. I was like this is skit like like House of Mouse Hmm. tried to poke fun at things like okay. i don't know if you ever watched that but hmm. um it was like a bunch of disney characters it was house of mouse bunch of disney characters like out of in a, like out of almost like a comedy show think of like a comedy show and you had a hmm. you had every disney character there and there would be little skits and stuff okay so that's what this was like to me Yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't consume much uh, cable television going up. It just wasn't a part of our whole household, really. We, we had a lot of movies in our collection. Um, I'm seeing here Ed Gilbert was the voice of Baloo in Tablespin. Uh, tablespin. Yes. Tailspin. <laughs> um, yeah. The, none of these mo- uh, shows were part of my vocabulary as a kid even though I think a lot of people from our generation have nostalgia because they would catch reruns of these things. Um, but yeah, I, I was never a fan of, you know, the Disney channel, I, all that stuff's just very, very kitschy compared to um, the, their cinematic offerings as a company. Agree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... I, I, I don't know. I don't really think, I mean, obviously, like, I grew up with, like, Disney Channel and stuff like that, and Disney movies for the big chunk of my life, all I had was VHS movies, which is, was Disney movies, that's all I had, Um, and then I got cable, and it was all Disney Channel, and that's why, like, still now to this day, I'm like, this stuff holds a special place in my heart, Mm -hmm. and that's why I feel like this movie I was like this they made this for me like I always think that I always think lately I think they've really been hitting the nail on the head like appealing to their the people that grew up with them but then also like I always think it's always made for me because 
it's funny and I re- I'm like I don't relate to it I, I don't there's nothing in this movie that I could possibly relate to but I find like comfort in it it's not even nostalgic it's just comforting almost because I'm I'm more grown up now than I was and I watch these things that they introduce and I'm I'm laughing at it because I'm like they're growing with me almost in in what they put out there Disney is also growing with what they produce for their consumer and I'm still their consumer so yeah yeah this is something far more digestible for me than trying to go back and slog through uh, DuckTales and Chippendale. I like this a lot more than anything they've put out recently, to be honest. And I've never watched anything Chippendale, but this made me want to. And I and I wondered, I was like, I wonder if Philip watched this original show before, like, and if he'll have anything to say about it. But I was like, I'm not going to because I don't think I'd like it. I don't think I'd like it at this point. I don't think I could watch it. I yeah I I don't know I, if I since I don't feel nostalgia for a lot of the stuff I just don't know how much value I would find in trying to um, revisit it at this day you know at this point in my life um, there's, I don't watch that much TV in general you know serialized or narrative TV I just there's so much out there and um, yeah I could pull up some hard to make time for it too yeah yeah i i know it's just and i i just think there's a palpable sense that like these shows when you watch them they are aimed at kids you kind of if you're an adult watching them there are a few things that'll break through and sort of appeal to an, an older audience at the same time but for the most part um you you kind of (laughs) <laughs> have to turn your brain off to i don't know to get the full it's background noise it's just background noise like if i ever tried to watch anything like even sometimes trying to watch like disney movies that i used to love like i cannot i cannot turn my attention to it 110% like i'll turn it on and then i'll get on my phone and i oh, yeah. and i it's just like i don't like doing that but then it's just like with this movie, I was like, oh, wait, this is, I don't know. I, yeah. I like, I like the modernization of things that I like that they're trying to still grab everyone's attention with what they put out now. Things yeah. in the past, obviously, like as a child, those things would have caught my attention, but and you didn't need much. But now as, you know, society progresses and we have. We have more technology, which they're referencing in this movie, the difference between animation styles and even just all differences between all kinds of media is what they reference mm-hmm. so much in this movie, not even just animation, but genres and conversation styles and things like that. I don't have a better way to put it, but like yeah. they they recognize that now and they draw attention to it and they really like that whole movie is just breaking the fourth wall the entire time Mm. to me like a kid's gonna watch that and be like haha funny and still be able to like relate it to real life because there are things in that movie that you could be like they have a phone they're on instagram Mm. they're going live like those are things that they might have seen mommy or daddy do Mm -hmm. but like us we're like 
oh, like this is funny and it's still real life. And uh-huh. yeah, uh, that's, what, that's what things are doing nowadays. They're leaning more towards what we recognize versus like, I can't sit there and watch a cartoon of someone lose her voice and trade for legs. Like, I don't get it anymore. And as much as I would love to, I, I don't get it anymore. <laughs> oh, I mean, I would argue that pretty much every uh, film from the A tier, you know, Disney animation, their, their main animation arm, which didn't work on this. I, I mean, the this movie, I think, was mainly, you know, some of their satellite studios that did the, the, the brunt of the work. You know, I mean, kind of similar to mashup film, like, you know, Space Jam. You had Space Jam Legacy last year. That was last year, right? Did you watch But it's that? like, um, yeah, I did see that. It's, it's not very good. <laughs> oh, oh um, I'm a big Space Jam fan, but I didn't watch the new one, but, so... But you know, the Little Mermaid is is operating on multiple levels um, of maturity. You know, I just feel like every time you, you know, you you know, you give us you give us movies to watch. Yeah, and they're so some some of them are the ones that I have been able to do are. I think there's only been one like old school style one that I've I've watched. Uh, most of them you are You wanted to do Aristocats. We we did yeah, Arist- right, Aristocats. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yep. So we did that one like old old one. Mm-hmm. Um but most of them are pretty current that we do and it and I and I usually wouldn't have watched these things if not prompted even though I would like love to. I just never make the time for myself unless like we have our little like book club, movie club. So mm-hmm. then I watch these things and I'm so out of touch. I'm like, wow, like <laughs> the movie industry has really progressed to be current. And like, it makes me really realize that like things that I was watching back in, you know, 99, 2000 was what we were watching and it made sense. Well, we yeah. <laughs> to do that now today. Like we have to, we have to integrate things like opinions and technology and yeah well things like that it's just crazy to me i'm like wow i have not watched a movie in 10 years like what is happening yeah yeah i have to consider the resource dedication to these things as well because there's such a wide gulf between um something like beauty and the beast the original and you know beauty and the beast bell's enchanted christmas or whatever you know the, the sequel spin-offs that were straight to video you know very low production value basically just a, a means to sell merchandise you know these vhs tapes that were you know selling like hotcakes during the 90s um you know th- that that is, is something maybe a, a child won't necessarily notice but an adult watching these films you know, Beauty and the Beast was nominated for Best Picture uh, at the Academy Awards, uh, and yeah, the the um, direct-to-video sequels are just just very, um, shall we say, low quality. You know, to to put it gently, you know, in I've seen comparison. them, but I couldn't tell you what happened in those movies, even though yeah. I know I've seen them. Like that's that says that yeah, that explains it. 
So I feel like it's the same with things now though, but maybe not because streaming services are super popular, but I'm seeing more and more things are going straight to streaming versus. Mm -hmm. There have been some, yeah, great movies that have gone straight to streaming late. You know, there's the Mitchells versus the machines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We, we reviewed, uh, um, Turn, uh, turning red went straight to streaming oh yeah <laughs> well yeah the bizarre yeah, was straight to streaming wasn't it yeah yeah some of these pixar movies would have been theatrical if not for covid um and, and they were released like yeah after well covid still happened no you're <laughs> you're right it's like we opened up so like movies are back now and like this like turning red could have been in theaters and it, it wasn't it could have been right. in theaters, it wasn't you know um, but I guess it just, it's, it's a whole different world nowadays. That's, that's for sure. Um, I was trying to think of one other example, but, oh, um, to, t- what was the Lin-Manuel Miranda movie? Vivo. Vivo. Yeah, yeah. 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 I liked Vivo. Mm-hmm. I liked it better than, I think we did. Uh, I think Canto... we did Vivo. No, we did Vivo like right around the time we also did Luca. And I like Vivo a lot better than Luca. Not that they're sure. comparable, but I I had I had high hopes for Luca and eh, let me down. I but I liked Encanto <laughs> more than Vivo. But yeah. yeah. So this that that'll just go on to us doing Hamilton next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're I'm excited talk. for I, that. I promised one. you uh, Hamilton. So stay tuned for that. But uh um, our fourth of July episode. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on to talk about Chippendale Rescue Rangers. You know, this is, it's a very bizarre experience. Um, and, and yeah, don't necessarily look for too much out of the plot. Um, it's more of just kind of a, a fun an, ex- watch. an experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun watch. I'd watch it again. What do you rate it like out of 10? I don't just because I kind of felt uneasy during certain <laughs> parts, probably like a seven. Um, I, I was going to give it an eight. I thought okay. I was like, I think it's an eight out of 10. I think it's yeah. Good. Good. That's about, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's much better in certain, in some ways than it has any right to be, but it's also, I feel like they really um, hyping it from the trailers and i didn't realize if I paid closer attention to the trailer, I have seen that it was going to be released exclusively on Disney Plus. But that original trailer made such a splash about this being. I didn't like even this, see it. This huge crossover event. Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed to have gone viral. People talking oh, about how. Maybe I'll you know, go watch the trailer. <laughs> yeah. Different studios, characters coexisting on screen, you know, uh, like for the first time since Roger Rabbit, basically. And. Uh, but it wasn't a theatrical film, which is surprising. I, I feel like this probably should have gone into theaters. Just I think to... so too. I thought it was good. Yeah. I think people don't even know about it. Well, like uh... <laughs> you should. People should watch it. Maybe they, they will now. Check it out on Disney Plus. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun little romp hour and 38 minutes it was short well i guess that's not it felt short to me yeah and if you don't watch the credits it's about an hour and a half was there anything after the credits that i missed i yeah there could have been final credit scene (laughs) i don't think i (laughs) if i did sit through the credits i totally missed okay i I didn't think i didn't think i missed anything but 
Because I feel like you would have been like, make sure you watch the credit scene. But I was like, I'm not. <laughs> I don't. Good. Yeah, there was I all I needed to see. There was like stuff that happened during the credits. I don't know. I can't remember what I was doing. Look, um, the only thing I really cared about the most was the bootlegged surgery machine. And I did not get enough of that content. So. Yeah, all that's kind of bizarre and just sort of thrown in. And you just have to you have to go with the flow um, when, you know, considering the implications of some of these uh, ideas. <laughs> it's like, don't cartoons have rights? Don't people care that all these characters are going missing and going missing yeah, and getting it's horrifying like, surgery? Like, it's like, what? Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Oh, that's the best part of the whole movie was that that one plot line of the bootleg. That was the that was the only thing that and that was the plot. That was the plot, but they did not do enough for it. Mm-hmm. anyways well i think uh until next time alex do you want to plug any social media no thanks all right <laughs> well thanks for listening to the thoughtcast you can find us at thoughtcast.com at thoughtcast on twitter and instagram find me uh, at philip elke on twitter and instagram um find you know find a streaming on various podcasting platforms apple podcasts google podcasts and uh, SoundCloud, Spotify. Alex, any final, final thoughts before we sign off? I recommend people watch it. If they if they haven't heard of it, they should watch it. If they didn't think they wanted to watch it, they should watch it. I think it's worth the watch at least once. I think it's yeah. a worthwhile viewing. Yeah, even if you never saw Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the series, um, <laughs> that's not what this is about. All right, well, Everyone, uh, you all have a magical day, a wonderful week, warm hugs.